RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines, the T3 signal is in effect as severe tropical storm Ma'an moves away from Hong Kong. Sports events organizers have urged the government to clarify its 500 participant cap rule. And experts have discovered that the cable that snapped during the horrific accident at a mirror concert was 20% weaker than normal. The observatory has replaced the number eight storm signal with number three as severe tropical storm Ma'an moves away from Hong Kong. It added the storm made landfall in southwest Guangdong before noon. The T8 was in effect for about 14 hours and was lowered after 9.20 this morning. The city was left relatively unscathed by the passing storm, which came within 190 kilometers of the territory in the early hours of the morning. Here's senior scientific officer Li Shukming. Under the influence of the outer rain bands associated with Ma'on, there will be squalls affecting Hong Kong occasionally. There will still be occasional gale force winds offshore and on high ground over the southwestern part of the territory at first. Seas will be rough with swells. Members of the public are advised to stay away from the shoreline and not to engage in water sports. Schools are cancelled today except for afternoon classes of primary and secondary schools and evening schools. Court hearings will resume in the afternoon along with various government services. Financial market has just started trading. MTR trains have become more crowded as people commute to work after the typhoon signal downgrade. The railway operator said it would ramp up train frequency to handle the rush hour traffic. A commuter surnamed Chow who takes a bus to work says he hasn't seen any, any traffic jams amid the rush hour traffic. It turned to number three at around 9.30, so around that time I started to prepare to leave my home to report to duty. I think the transportation has been pretty smooth this morning. The bus I just took is quite crowded, but I think like the tunnels, the situation has been pretty smooth and I don't see any traffic jams so far. The government's been urged to explain why it has decided to limit the number of participants at sporting events, including staff and contestants, to a maximum of 500 people. Dennis Ng is the executive director of the Hong Kong Association of Athletics Affiliates, which had to cancel its 10-kilometer run in Tin Shui Wai scheduled for this coming Sunday due to the new rule. He said the government should clarify the rule and note that the organizer of the annual Cross Harbor Swim also said it may have to postpone or cancel this year's event, which was scheduled for October, after it was told to cut the participation numbers. We may have to ask the government for more details about the policy. Why is it 500 for us and the cross-border swim as well? I'd like to know whether the figure is decided on a case-by-case basis or is it a blanket requirement? I hope the government understands the event will not be held in a small area. We're talking about 10 kilometers on a highway with two to three lanes. It's all outdoors and we believe there will be sufficient ventilation. A member of the task force probing the horrific accident at last month's Mirror concert says miscommunication may have contributed to the giant video screen falling onto the stage, injuring two dancers. Louis Sito from the Institution of Engineers says preliminary findings indicate the cable that snapped was 20% weaker than normal. The screen was heavier than organizers declared, and a mechanism to move the panel had flaws that further compromised the cable. Because the wire and the winch is buying from uh, other countries, while the installation is built in Hong Kong, for the design, it's also separately done by the event uh, organizer. 
soon, they might see lack of communication. For instance, sometimes you use Pang, the China and Pang is different from Hong Kong. The KT is also. So they might misunderstand or misinterpret the loading of the, of the LED mode. The former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan is due to appear before a court in the capital Islamabad today to face terrorism charges. The cricketer-turned-politician was charged under the country's stringent anti-terrorism laws after he condemned Islamabad's chief of police and a female judge for the detention and alleged torture of his close political aide. The BBC's Pumza Filani reports. It's a big day for the former prime minister. If he fails to secure bail, law enforcement officials could possibly arrest him, legal experts have told the BBC. The police have accused Imran Khan of threatening peace in Pakistan. The charge stems from a public address to thousands of supporters last Saturday where he condemned a senior police official and a female judge for the detention and alleged torture of his close aide Shebaz Gill. If the charge stands and he is found guilty, he could face several years in prison. The Pentagon says U.S. military airstrikes in eastern Syria were a message to Iran and Tehran-backed militias that targeted American troops this month and several other times over the past year. Colin Cowell, the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, told a media briefing that the U.S. airstrikes overnight hit facilities used by militias backed by Iran's paramilitary Revolutionary Guard. The strike was necessary to protect and defend U.S. personnel in Syria, uh, which have been the targets of several recent attacks by uh, Iran-backed militia groups, including the most recent ones on August 15th. Our response was proportionate and precise. Uh, It was designed to minimize the risk of casualties, and it uh, responded to uh, to the nature of the attacks uh, by Iran-backed militia groups. Uh, We cannot accept uh, further attacks on our personnel. Uh, This operation uh, is a demonstration that the United States will not hesitate to defend itself against Iranian and Iran-backed aggression when it occurs. The Uvalde, Texas, school district's embattled police chief has been sacked following criticism he didn't order officers to act sooner during the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in May. Nearly 400 officers rushed to the school but waited more than an hour to confront the 18-year-old gunman in the fourth-grade classroom. The shooting left 19 students and two teachers dead. In a unanimous vote, school district board of trustees dismissed police chief Pete Arredondo. Parents yelled, coward, in an auditorium as the meeting, which Mr. Arredondo did not attend, got underway. Daniel Myers was at the meeting. If it was one of your children, heads would be rolling right now. But because it's not, you don't care. You are not going to sweep this under the rug. You're not. All of you are accountable. President Biden has announced his long-awaited plan to deliver on a campaign promise to provide $10,000 in student debt cancellation for millions of Americans. Under the plan, borrowers borrowers who earn less than $125,000 a year or families earning less than $250,000 will be eligible for the loan forgiveness. For recipients of Pell Grants reserved for undergraduates with the most significant financial need, the government will cancel up to an additional $10,000 in federal loan debt. But here's the deal. The cost of education beyond high school has gone up significantly. The total cost to attend a public four-year university has tripled, nearly tripled in 40 years. Tripled. 
Instead of properly funding public colleges, many states have cut back their support. We were just talking about that in the Oval. Many states have cut back support for their, their state universities, leaving students to pick up more of the tab. We've made incredible progress advancing America's economic recovery. We've wound down pandemic relief programs, like the ones on unemployment insurance and small businesses. It's time we do the same thing for student loans. Student loan payment pause is going to end. It's going to end December 30. I'm extending to December 31st, 2022, and it's going to end at that time. It's time for the payments to resume. These students at Ohio State University in Columbus gave their reaction to President Biden's announcement. It's not life changing and it's not world changing, but I'll take it. I'll, I'll certainly take what I can get. I am disappointed that this decision um, isn't really future focused. It's not going to do anything to lighten the load of, of future students, future generations of college students. I think uh, something that would be more permanent would be uh, um, permanent freezing or even elimination of interest rates on federal student loans as a sustainable change. One of the main reasons I'm pursuing a master's degree outside of the U.S. is because tuition costs are so much cheaper abroad. Like it's generally about like 2,000 euros per semester compared to around I think it's 26 here per semester. So I've racked up a lot of debt, and it would be a huge financial blessing to like get rid of at least even a little bit of that. 10,000 would really put a significant chunk away from the work that we are going to have to do. It'd be really helpful and hopefully we'd be able to get my loans paid off a lot quicker. The heist of a famed portrait of a scowling Winston Churchill has gripped Canada's capital. Since it was discovered, the photograph hanging at an Ottawa hotel for decades had been swapped for a fake. Vicky Wong has more. Police were called in after staff at the Fairmont Chateau Laurier Hotel in Ottawa last Friday noticed the picture of the late British Prime Minister was askew and didn't match those of other portraits gifted by the late Armenian-born Canadian photographer Yusuf Kash. The hotel has said police are now reviewing security footage, but because the theft occurred when COVID-19 restrictions were in place, the thief likely wore a mask. Former hotel guests have shared their snaps of the portrait over the years, helping to narrow down the date when it could have gone missing, from December the 25th, 2021, to January the 6th this year. If we fail, then the whole world, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. The Roaring Lion portrait was taken by Kash after the wartime leader addressed the Canadian Parliament in 1941. The image of the scowling British Premier is arguably the most iconic of Churchill. It's said that Kash plucked a cigar from Churchill's mouth just before taking his portrait, which made the Prime Minister grimace. This was their finest hour. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 19,532. That's 263 points up on the previous close. Turnover standing at $2 billion. In currencies, the U.S. dollar is trading at 136.71 to the yen. The euro is standing at 99 cents to the U.S. dollar. The pound is worth nine Hong Kong dollars and 27 cents. And to sports, the Rangers have completed a long return to the group stage in football's European Champions League.
Rangers have taken big advantage. They've scored first here in Eindhoven. Rangers stunned PSV 1-0 in the second leg in Eindhoven. The Scottish side won 3-2 on aggregate to reach the group stage for the first time since 2010. More from the BBC's John Murray. This was a sweltering night in Eindhoven that will have a special place in Rangers history. Starting at 2-2 after the first leg in Glasgow, when Ruud van Nistelrooy's PSV team had chances to win it, they went on to miss many more here. But Rangers had their moments too. A Tom Lawrence shot came back out off the underside of the bar and the big moment came on the hour when PSV were caught playing out from the back. Tillman dispossessed Romalio and proceeded to set up Antonio Cholak to tap in the goal that would prove to be the winner. It unlocks the UEFA riches again for Rangers and completes their comeback from the ignominy of liquidation in 2012 to a return to the Champions League ten years later. Rangers will join rivals Celtic in the draw. The first time in 14 years that both of the Scottish Giants have been in the group stage at the same time. Elsewhere, the Asian Champions League resumes tonight with a semi-final clash between Japan's Urawa Reds and South Korea's Jumbuk Motors. They've each won the competition twice and the Reds will have home advantage at Saitama Stadium. Tonight's winner will advance to the Asian Champions League final against a team from the Middle East. The final play will... The final will be played in February next year. In Formula One, Australia's fan favourite Daniel Ricciardo will leave McLaren at the end of the season. More from the BBC's Jack Nichols. Ricciardo was a marquee signing for McLaren when he joined at the start of 2021. A proven race winner who had been poached from midfield rivals Renault after an impressive couple of seasons, the Australian was seen as a major part of the puzzle to propel McLaren back towards the front of the grid. He did win a race for them last season in Monza, but aside from that, he has been regularly and comfortably beaten by his young teammate Lando Norris. Formula 2 champion Oscar Piastri looks set to replace Ricardo at McLaren next year, while Ricardo's own future in Formula 1 is now unclear. Baseball's Atlanta Braves are hot on the heels of the New York Mets in the race for the National League East. Matt Olson drove in four runs as the Braves brushed aside the Pittsburgh Pirates 14-2. The World Series champions now trail the Mets by just a game and a half. And to weather forecasts, strong south to southeasterly winds occasionally gale force offshore and on high ground. Winds will weaken later. Cloudy with occasional squally showers and thunderstorms. Still a few showers tomorrow, becoming mainly fine and very hot over the weekend. Right now at the observatory, the temperature is standing at 27 degrees Celsius with the relative humidity at 90%. And that's the news, sports and weather from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday afternoon. Thursday, the 25th of August is today's date. Big thanks to James Ross earlier for Morning Brew. Cheers to the newsroom and a big cheers to everyone in the Typhoon special shift. Cheers to Jim, Janice Wong, and also Phil. You guys rock. I hope you all manage to stay safe and dry uh, during the typhoon. And, of course, many thanks to the 123 Show contributors. They really rallied in their support, sharing their experiences of panic buying. Not not them, their observations. Anyway, today we've got a busy program. Nothing to do with the typhoon. It's a new day today. Today we're going to be focusing a little bit more about Chinese medicine. And in 